Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. We are now in the home stretch, the near end of the Silmarillion with chapters three, well, 22 and 23. Things get really, really bad in these chapters as things are kind of winding down and the world is, you know, uh, tearing itself apart, as one might say. We are about to see the fall of two of the last, like, elven strongholds of Doriath and Gondolin. It's depressing, it's tragic, and we joked about it this week on Talking Tolkien. Enjoy. Of the sadness and horrible things and tragedy, and <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting a lot darker as we go. I can forth. turn the lights on if you want. Huh? Um, well, we've lost the light though because the trees are gone. But the light is contained <laughs> within three Silmarils. Yeah, also, but two are in like what Middle Earth hell and, on Bon, and one is in Turgon's uh, treasury. Where he yep. sits there and just stares and hey, at it. And hey, we're going gonna to talk about that today. Is, touches is, it inappropriately. Is it me or does Turgon's treasury sound like a really bad, like, like 80s, um, like, mud game? Turgon's treasury? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like, like an old-ass um, Commodore 64 game. <laughs> like, you, you know, the kind that in the graphics you just type in, you're like, open the box. Invalid selection. <laughs> Look left. Invalid selection. Okay, I'll let you um, so yeah, last time we talked all about Turin. Huron's kids. And yeah, one of, one of, uh, one of Huron's kids. And, um, so Turin last time, uh, of course he renamed himself multiple, multiple times, which to, to the delight <laughs> of, of readers and also, you know, really made a name for himself on the battlefield. Um, but then, alas, fell in love with his uh, sister. Oh, yeah. And as one does. Forgot that. As one does. Um, accidentally, you know. Um, and so there was a lot of uh, woe and sadness in that, too. Um, and uh, so we'd had uh, a nice, huge battle with Glaurung and the death of Glaurung and, and uh, Turin himself. And, and the then, death of, course, of everybody else. The death of Nienor and the death of a Nienor, lot of... Nienor, yeah, I forgot about Nienor. That's a great name. <laughs> Um, so now we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to talk in this chapter about the ruin of Doriath. You know all those things, all those like hubs in Middle Earth that have been kind of like safe spots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, those are all gone. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that's done now. So, yeah, you know, as we've had in the past couple of chapters... Um, horrible things. Oh, yeah, well, horrible things <laughs> happening. But still, you know, having some kind of hope. There was hope that Nargothron could stand against... Nope. Morgoth. Nope. Nope. And then there, now there's hope that Doriath and Gondolin can still stand against Morgoth. Nope. So, yeah. Turns out the only thing that can stand against Morgoth is Morgoth. <laughs> oh, he's so sad. He can't even he can't even take care of, take it down himself. So, cheer up, emo. Do- <laughs> okay. Doriath. What 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 goes down in Doriath? Uh, so after everything that goes down with Turin, um, Morgoth of course, still has this huge grudge against uh, the house of Hador, um, which is um, the house that Hurin Huron comes, comes from. from yes. yeah. um, and Hurin is still trapped in this, you know, sort of public humiliation uh, uh, seat that Morgoth had put him in. And Morwen is wandering around in the wilderness. And no one knows where she is. Um, 
And, of course, there's all kinds of rumors and, and lies going on, and, you know, Morgoth is constantly attempting to twist things to his own will. Um, the birdies and whispers. Yeah. And Hershey's kisses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> um, but he really is wanting to attack the elves and make Thingol and Melian look bad. Um, so is this one, and then... This is when he lets Hiran go. Yeah, so, I always felt like it was like more like it's like more like this like mode where Morgoth comes up to Hiran. It's like, oh, so you watched your kids like uh, <laughs> fall each, each other, other yeah, and, and, and then and then, then die. die. All right, you're free to go. Whatever. Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. So he tells he, he Morgoth has a plan, of course, as he always does. But um, he a man a plan in a city. Uh, Ungbon. <laughs> <laughs> He tells um, he tells her her in that he's going to let him go. Um, Here's some money. Go because, see Lord of the Rings. <laughs> because um, that basically her has nothing left, and he's he 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 has nothing to fight with. It's and been he, what twenty eight years? Twenty eight, yeah. yeah. Twenty eight years. And in a rare moment of pity, he's like, "Okay, I've done enough to you." Well. He says that he, he says, yeah, well, says. Yeah, but, um, but really, you know what's going on. Really, he's wanting to. Still, he wants to turn her in against the elves mm-hmm. because he wants to turn everyone against the elves, and he even he, he wants him to uh, like turn against his own people too, and just continue to torture him. So Hurin now is free to go, just wander around, um, and he's he's bitter. Went around like a crazy person. Which you you know we we would all be bitter if we had been in you know imprisoned for twenty eight years and made to watch our children die and um, you know there's nothing that you can do um, and also remember that he has sort of been seeing everything through the eyes of Morgoth too so he's got this like evil sort of penetrating into him now you know just screaming for eagles and and <laughs> talking about dragons getting slain well he basically like, has right, nowhere to whatever go. he has nowhere to go yeah because his own people even are shunning him because so yeah morgoth morgoth Hurin looks really old now too because of the the toll that angban took on him and um, so he's like wandering around, and basically, like the Easterlings don't even attack him. No, um, they let him go through. He's just carrying around a sign that says, "We'll fight ultimate evil for food." <laughs> well, but wasn't he like being escorted by like orcs or something, and that's why the Easterlings didn't touch him for a little while? Yeah, mm-hmm. but after a while, they're just like, "Man, this guy smells worse than us," <laughs> and just like lets him go. So, so yeah, he's he's really bitter, and he, so then he decides he's going to go into the mountains. But then he's like. I, I want to go to Gondolin. I'm going to go home. Wait, was that his home? No, his home was Dorlomi. That's right, yeah. 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 Um, Remember, he had been deposited in Gondolin by the eagles and, st- and stayed there for a oh, year. Oh, right. Yeah, and, and Turgon is like, I won't let you leave because I don't let anybody leave. <laughs> but, then he, but then he let I, I basically teleported because, here. Yeah. Because that's what the eagles are. Yes. So, so the eagles see him. And <laughs> cheap, 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 cheap. They're like, hey, you're Turgon. They're like, yeah. You'll never guess what happened. And Turgon is like, well, if you're seeing Hurin free, then surely he must be, you know, aligned with Morgoth now, because Morgoth would never let him go. 
Um, and he and the eagles want to bring him to Gondolin, and Turgon's like, no, 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 (laughs) no eagles. Um, but then after a while, he kind of has a change of heart, and he's like, no, okay, yeah, bring him. But it's too late, and the eagles can't find him anymore. You don't know. Um, give us more cornmeal, please. So, so now Hurin is he's standing like on this mountainside, and he calls out to Turgon. And his voice is kind of like carried by the wind, and he's he is yelling. He's full of despair, and of course, he, there's no answer that comes. Um, however, but, but then like, but Morgoth is watching him constantly, of course, right, exactly. And he's like, "Oh well, I wonder what's in this area right here. Yeah. This area that for some reason we've not been able to penetrate <laughs> or get anywhere near on the map." What what could that possibly be? Right, and so it's basically like in uh, Star Trek Generations, where the Dora sisters let Jordy go. They had been holding him a prisoner, but they had actually been tapping into the visual um, frequency of his of his of his uh, visor visor, and through that they were able to discern the shield frequency of the Enterprise and attack. I watched the movie recently. He's pretty. That's pretty right. Yeah. Basically, so, yeah. yeah. What, what happens here is that, you know, the, the orcs previously hadn't been able to enter this area because of the eagles. The eagles are constantly keeping vigil over it. And so, you know, none of Morgoth's nasty spies can can go into that well, land. And then Huron, Huron, maybe, am I saying that right? No, I'm not. Huron. 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 Mm-hmm. Remember, Huron is a lake. <laughs> yes, that's right. Huron is Goes like, in, like crazy despair. Yeah. And it just passes out. Yeah. Just gets so angry and so unhappy that just passes out. He, 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 I, he wets himself. I can understand. Well, I can't understand that. But I can understand <laughs> the part of being so, like, grieving. It's like, I'm so angry and pissed off. I'm just going to sleep. Yep. Yeah. And sleep forever. Because, then, because you you imagine that, like, he hasn't... So he he basically hasn't slept in 28 years, you know? Oh, Think about crap. It this that's way, right. Yeah. like, he's been in this imprisonment, right? And sitting on this... Uh, tower and being forced to watch everything that transpires beneath him. So, like, yeah, just like 28 years of this restless kind of uh, watch over things. So, yeah, in his in his sleep, he hears Morwen's voice. Um, and he imagines that it's coming from the forest of Brethel. So, when he wakes in the morning, he decides he's going to go there. And then he finds, like, Wait, hold on. He finds the grave of... Uh, is that where he finds the grave of Turin or... And, yeah. And yeah. Um, Nador? Yeah. Nador? Nianor. Nianor. Sorry, my <laughs> bad. Nianor. Yeah, so yeah, he comes across the the place where Glaurung and Turin had had their great battle. And and, um, and Morwen is, like, over the grave. Yeah, Morwen's there. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, old... Yeah. Old, old, old. So old she's now. like similarly to her, and you know she has aged quite a bit. And Granny death. Um, but at the same time, though, so um, I, I like the description um, here. There's a lot of really great passages in this chapter. I don't like Tolkien is a wordsmith. It's just like there are some really great descriptions here. So uh, the description of Morwen I particularly love. It says, "Gray she was and old, but suddenly her eyes looked into his, and he knew her." For though they were wild and full of fear, that light still gleamed in them that long ago had earned for her the name Eledwen, proudest and most beautiful and of mortal women in the days of old. I don't know. I just 
really like that. And then she died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, they have this little talk, and then she's have like, well, talk. I'm going to die now, so yeah, she, we're done. She knows that she's going to die that night, and she asks him to tell her... Um, everything. How did... Yeah, everything that happened. Um, and, of course, like, she knows that Hurin knows, because, yeah. Um, but he, he just doesn't answer at all. I mean, I'm joking, but it was actually a really touching moment. It was. Like, it was really sad. It was. Um... And so, you know, the night comes and Morwen dies and Hurin grieves greatly. And he, like, he, he's kind of in this sort of paralysis of grieving that we see often and just doesn't move at all. And then there's this great storm that comes um, and finally he, the storm kind of awakens him into this rage and he decides that he's going to get revenge against everyone that ever wronged him or his family. Yeah, but I feel like, for the most part, they've all been, except for, like, Morgoth, they're all pretty much done. I mean, that big dragon's dead, so... Well, there are still, though, there there are still those who remain that he can, uh, like, exercise his revenge on. Um, so, Hurin goes first to Nargothrond on this great quest of revenge that he's... Um, <laughs> and, and decided to undertake, and apparently, like the memory of uh, Galrong is like still lingering there, and nobody's like. I just imagine it being like this, like open hole, mm-hmm. and there's like treasure there, and everyone can see the treasure, but everyone's like, "Yeah, but no." But but, but that dragon was pretty nasty. This still got dragon and dragon stank all over it. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Except for one. One person. Yeah. We all remember from the previous chapter. So we all remember lovely little meme. Meme. <laughs> Who is the, pe- still the, petty, the dwarf. petty dwarf? He's still around and still messing things up. Yep. Um, and so he had decided to start living there at Nargothrond. I don't care about any dragon stench. Um, and of course, like, so he's he's living amongst all these riches that were, you know, had belonged to Felagund, Finrod Felagund, and he's like sort of just. I imagine him just like lying about in them, you know, as, as one does with and, and going, vast riches. Oh, this isn't very comfortable because this is just like solid gold. <laughs> um, so yeah, he of course has become greedy as one does when one is surrounded by riches. This is what they call gold fever or something <laughs> in the in the Tolkien verse. Gold fever. No, I'm serious. This isn't like a sickness or gold or dragon fever or something. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. Like yeah, you see, like dragons are very greedy creatures, and that's why they like to like magically get like dollar signs in your eyes. (laughs) They see they see the money, and uh, they decide that's what they're going to claim as their own. But Kieran comes in, and Meme, and he knows who Meme is, and that oh, you betrayed everybody, (laughs) and Meme's like. Well, you know, if you save, if you let me go, I'll let have some of this treasure, and then just here and just sort of kill yeah. some. Yeah. Well, and even so, Meme is like, well, well, the dwarves built this, uh, and it was it, it was ours before the elves came here, so it's rightfully mine. Um, and then, but, but then, he, yeah, Meme constantly he has this like you know history of bartering with things, saying, oh, you can you can uh, you can take anything you like, just don't kill me. And of course, yeah, it doesn't work because Hurin has decided that he's going to just, just kill him. Nope. Yeah. He's 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 on a he's on a warpath. Wouldn't, wouldn't right you now. know what? That the only thing I would like is your head. 
that's, that's, that, yeah. is, that is kind of funny. I just like the <laughs> fact that this like shriveled old man can, can murder a dwarf. Well, remember, Hurin is a great warrior. He's one of the strongest I know, I just feel like he probably, warriors of men. I feel like he probably had atrophied over the past 28 years of not being able to move. Just covered in bed sores. <laughs> oh. Well, he, yeah. looks, he looks like this kind of ghostly... You know the, you know the, the hermit? Wraith. The, the 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 aesthetic in Life of Brian, who had been living in the hole and hadn't been speaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. That's what you're imagining is her in. Oh, oh, damn it! <laughs> you just made me speak. Um, and he took only one thing. Yeah, it takes takes only one thing. Naglamir. Yeah, but it's a, it's a pretty good one thing. It's yeah, the, it's a good one thing. The 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 Silmaril of the Dwarves, as it were, a a necklace that the Dwarves had created more beautiful than anything else and given to Fenrod. As a gift. Yeah, is, yeah it is kind of like the way they were describing it and stuff, yeah. which is going to cause... Basically, the yeah, this necklace was like the the dwarves' Silmarils. It was equal in beauty and sort of so being treasured. he takes it to Turgon. He's like, yo, Turgon, I brought this as a, a, to, to repay to you the debt I owe you for you raising my children while I was being tortured endlessly by... Gothi over there. Um, and so Turgon is like, oh, this is the Silmaril of the dwarves, and I happen to have one of the Silmaril of the Noldor. Why don't we just put them together? That's a great idea. Yeah. So, oh, so are we talking about Turgon or are we talking about Thingol? Thingol. You're, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Thingol, Thingol okay. Yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. Um, and so Hurin kind of is very, you know, as, as he was when he left Angban. He's still very bitter. And he, he, he basically, like, calls out Thingol because um, Thing- it was Thingol who had set Baron on this quest for a Silmaril. Um, yeah, Thingol has a way of, like, putting people into just stupid yeah. situations and then when succeed, they're like, he's like, oh. Well, now okay, then, you whatever. know, resulting in the death of Finrod. Yeah. Um, so basically he's, you know, bitterly calling out Thingol on this. And so Thingol uh, is kind of like, uh, you dare to open your mouth against me. Um, and then Melian, ever the, like, wise mouth that we should listen to. Um <laughs> And I say wise mouth, meaning like actual wise person, not, not, not wise <laughs> but, but mouth. Also, <laughs> you know, she's over there going. Ah, Melian's like, listen, again, guys. the dumb stuff that we have to go through because you guys won't listen to me. And she's like, Hurin, listen, you are still being bewitched by Morgoth right now. And, you know, again, as we had mentioned earlier, that Hurin had been seeing everything basically through the eyes of Morgoth. And so he's kind of tinged with evil right now. And isn't seeing things clearly. And so she reminds him that they had taken care of Turin and that they had taken in Morwen and Neonor, and finally Hurin sees um, that all of this was true. And he kind of like takes back the, the huge insult he had made to Thingol. Um, but still, he's, he's like, keep the necklace. Yeah, um, whatever, take that. And Going off to the sea. Yeah. And he's like, well, I don't have anything anymore. I have no desires. I have nothing to give at all and he decides he's done and he goes off to the sea <laughs> is he just like it's, it seems kind of vague does he just like throws himself into the yeah, sea or something he throws himself okay. into the sea because he's he, right. he has nothing right. to live for anymore well we're done with that yeah 
So here on here in story in his family are done, but there's still like half of the chapter. <laughs> so now it's called the ruin of Doriath, and we still have yet to have that happen yet. Well, yeah, we have the pieces in place. Perrin unknowingly <laughs> brings about. Yes, the he, fall he, of Doria. He, he instigated. Well, so eh, I mean that that little thing I dropped about Thingol. Uh, Thingol's like, well, I should just set the Silmaril on this. Yeah, that's a great what, idea. Well, because because you know, again, he had been holding the Silmaril since Baron had brought it back to him, and he has become you know lustful, which only it. is like like ten years. Yeah, not that long. maybe a little longer than that, but it's let's, not like a hundred. Take but, this rage inducing thing and put in this other rage inducing thing. <laughs> I wonder what's going to happen. Well, well, because he decides, you know, I could put it on a necklace and then I could wear it all the time and never be parted from it and always know where it is. It's like Morgoth. So he exactly. Where have we seen this before? Morgoth had decided to put the Silmarils in a crown. So right? <laughs> of course, when you have a dwarven necklace, who do you get to repair it? Dwarves. So, Wasn't there also an element in here too, where like, the people guarding the Silmarils were also having like problems around it? Oh yeah, like, they were like they were like coveting it and stuff the, like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, pretty much anyone who kind of beholds the Silmarils are is going to become subject to this kind of greed. Um, they you you become enchanted by them, and uh, that's why shiny things are dangerous. Let the dwarves show up, and they're like, you know, yes, yeah, let's take that and put that in that. That'd be great. Um. So yeah, so Thingol is constantly there. He's always supervising while the dwarves are working on this uh, project. And so finally they, you know, they set the Silmaril in the necklace and they're like, here it is. But then they're like, we're not going to give it to you because... Yeah, this is technically ours. Yeah, this rightfully belongs to us. Because we gave it to Finrod and, and, now, and now it's back to us. So you can go jump off a cliff. Basically, we, we granted to Finrod an exclusive license for lifetime use. <laughs> yeah. Thereof, but under the provisions of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, upon the death of the licensee, the license reverts to us, the creator, and not can, cannot be inherited nor gifted in any tangible way. And furthermore, Hurin basically stole it from Nargothrond and yeah. then gave it to Thingol. So, you know, by proxy of Huron, Thingol has stolen it. And then Thingol so, says no. So basically, so Thingol <laughs> responds, and I really love what he says the response because is pretty great. he completely berates them. It's 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 kind. It's really nasty. So he says, "How do ye of uncouth race dare to demand aught of me, Elo Thingol, Lord of Beleriand, whose life began by the waters of Quivenin, years uncounted, ere the fathers of the stunted people awoke, and standing tall and proud among them, he bade them." With shameful words, be gone unrequited out of Doriath. So that was like a smack, just smack in the face. Yeah, but then they stab him and they crush his head in, and there he dies. He dies staring at the Silmaril. So yeah, he he, actually. I want to read that part because I do like that part. Yeah. So died in the deep places of Minagroth, Eloe, Singolo. I'm sorry. Always Singolo. King of Doriath, who alone of all children of Iluvatar was joined with one of the Einar. And he who, alone of the Forsaken Elves, had seen the light of the trees of Valinor, with his last sight, gazed upon the Silmaril. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so, again, like, this sort of utter lust and greed for the Silmarils just leads people to their ruin. He, like, he's not even thinking about the, about the repercussions of his words, and goes on this tirade, 
completely berating the dwarves who have armed themselves because they're dwarves. They're dwarves, and you know the pass the passage from uh, uh, from Nagrod, right? Yeah, Nagrod. Yeah, um, and uh, to to Doriath is dangerous, so they've come with weapons. Well, and then that's when the, I mean the guards show up, you know, yeah. kill like all but two of them or something like that. Yeah, and then to escape and tell the other dwarves, "Hey, the elves have turned on us." Yeah, and of course they don't tell this, the whole this story. This bridge is on fire. <laughs> Let's burn that bridge to the ground. So yeah. they then go and attack, and they bring the necklace with them, which seemed really weird to me. <laughs> They're like, for how like precious this thing is. People are just kind of like battering it around. Well, so basically, the yeah, they they the necklace was taken back to Melian, um, and so now, after the death of the king, um, Doriath kind of changes. Well, kind of really changes because, of course, everything is horrible now. Well, and she's Um, grieving, and Melian is grieving, and whenever she's like not paying attention. Like the defenses are basically like falling about. Like there's well, like almost like this like element of like catch me if I'm wrong on this if I misread it. It seems almost like the people of Doria, the people who are protecting it, mm-hmm. kind of need her to stay focused. Oh, absolutely. Or else they lose focus. Because, I got that vibe. Yeah, because remember, uh, Doriath is protected by Melian because she casts a girdle. this yeah girdle, oh, yeah, this kind right, of like you know unbreakable force field around the surrounding areas that it basically expels orcs and that's how Doriath has stayed safe. Just like Wonder Woman's lasso. Exactly. Almost exactly, actually. <laughs> um, so, Melian was grieving, though, now. So, remember, she's she's a Maya, um, but she had sort of taken this elven form to, like, bind herself to Thingol. Mm. Um, He's not around anymore. And so. she, and that was, you know, her. She had this great power over the land and could, you know, protect it. Um, but now, Thingol is gone, and she. So her power is kind of like drawing back. She's the the girdle of Melion. Is no one listened to me. Breaking. Wash my hands yeah. of this. <laughs> um, and you know, she's not speaking to anyone, and um, except for Mudblung. Yeah, except poor, for Mablon. Poor, poor named and She basically says, tell Baron and Luthien that I'm out. <laughs> so, Messenger brings the necklace to, to them. To them in Osirian. And Luthien puts it on. They're like, oh, well, this probably means some bad stuff has happened. And Baron's like, oh, I see the Sumeril again. What joy. Luthien, hey, kids, come look at this thing. <laughs> and this Luthien, Luthien thing. puts it on, and she's more beautiful than anything ever. And all of Everness. Yeah, there's this element with when she puts it on, like almost like the trees came back for a minute. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's like people remember the beauty of the light of the trees because Luthien, her, like herself, is one of the most beautiful things yeah. in all of Middle Earth, and now she's wearing a Silmaril. And who would have thought that the the fire that burns twice as bright burns out twice as fast? Or, right. I know I've totally butchered that, but <laughs> you see what I'm saying. But yeah, so there's. Um, uh, basically, the they realize this means that Thingol is dead. Yeah, and so their son Dior is like, "Oh, well, I'm Thingol's heir. See you, folks. Bye bye." And, and he goes to Doriath to to now become to become the king there. Yes. 
Um, and then shortly thereafter, the the necklace is then brought to him, and he's like, "Oh, my folks have died. Oh, okay. they're dead." Yeah. Mm. Um. So now that Dior is wearing the Silmaril, um, it kind of rekindles something that we haven't heard from in a little while, and that something is the oath of the sons of Feanor. Who are like, yo, this guy doesn't deserve that. He's, and, yeah. he's like 12. Let's go steal it. <laughs> I wonder if they're like somewhere, they just like get like a feet, like a twinge. It's like, oh, the silver rolls back somewhere. <laughs> they, like, they, yeah, basically, because they, you know, they had sworn a blood oath, basically, that, you know, if anyone should take a silver roll for his own, those rightly belong to the sons of Feanor, right? So we watched dad burn up because gonna, of it. Yeah, it we're going to fight them to the death for those things. So they go, um, they want it back. Dior basically shuns them, doesn't answer uh, when they demand it back. Um, and then, you know, there's this great battle and people are dying left and right. And the second slang of elf by elf. Yes. Uh... Um, so, yeah, Dior kills Kelligorm and then, uh, you know, Kurafin and Caranthir die and then Dior dies and Nimloth, his wife, dies. Um they Madros kind of is like repentant. He's like the the, the one son of Feanor that I kind of appreciate. Well, after what he went through, yeah. Um, and you know he he tries to like help these poor kids that are being left out. Yeah, because it feels like you're spending yeah. your energy in the wrong place. Like there's still two other Silmarils mm-hmm. hanging off of Morgoth's head. <laughs> so basically, now Doriath is destroyed completely, um, and. That's the end of Doriath. And However, Elwing, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so Elwing, who was the daughter of Theor, um, runs managed, everyone up, managed to escape. Yeah, and everyone with, who's left goes with into the, hiding with the necklace. Goodbye, Doriath. We barely knew you. Right for a thousand. So where do they years. go? Uh, Sil Silvion. The, uh, the river Sirion. Sirion. Yeah, they go to the the mouth of the river Sirion. Yes. Um, which will be important later. So. Next, we're going to talk about Gondolin. So, yeah, Tour, and uh, what happens to Gondolin. Let, let me guess, nothing good. <laughs> so, if uh, if Hurin named his son Turin, then Hor, Hor named his son, son Tour. Very clever people. Yep. So, um, Tour lived uh, with the Grey Elves for a while. His mother basically had him in the wild. Um, but then uh, when he was around 16, he uh, ended up being captured by Easterlings, which is what everyone fears yeah. uh, at this time. Um, and he manages to escape and goes back to these caves um, and actually gets visited by Ulmo because Ulmo had decided that Tour was going to be his special little protege um, and he picked this uh, guy from the meager race of men, right? <laughs> um, How it to always happens. sort of <laughs> shelter and guide. And he said to him, you shall be the harbinger of my doom. <laughs> I mean, in a way. Kind, kind of. of. Um, and he guides him to Nevrest. And um, so basically, uh, Ulmo makes it so that 
no one sees how Tuor gets to Neverest. No one can follow him, not even men or orcs. So no one knows how he got there, which is helpful because, again, he's uh, going to eventually end up in Gondolin, right? Um, so Morgoth doesn't know about this. So he's living in Neverest for a while, and then he sees some... Uh, some swans flying south and he's like oh it's time to go south that's so an he, omen <laughs> so, he, so he follows them um, and then he comes to Vinyamar which if we remember way 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 back way way way, way, back, way way back which I had to have a refresher on that one Ulmo had told Turgon to leave some stuff there um, so here Tura finds uh, the shield and hauberk and the sword and helm that Turgon had left there by the command of Ulmo long before, and he arrayed himself in those arms and went down to the shore. And Tor was like, I guess I'll take these things or whatever. Yeah. So, which is good, because, remember, um, that was supposed to be, who you know, if, if anyone were to ever come into Gondolin wearing that stuff, then that's okay. That's a friend. Did, did like, Ulmo know, like, this was good? Of course he did. <laughs> I guess so, <laughs> He's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's one of the well. He's one of the the Vala. So, um, so Tuar now meets uh, this elf called Vorinway. Vorinway, that's a great name. Yeah, and Vorinway was on that last ship that Turgon had sent out, but then the ship uh, like capsized. But then Ulmo saved him. Uh, Lots of Ulmo in this. Yeah, Ulmo is our great uh, helper in this chapter. Um, so. Tour, you know, just runs into Vorinway, and Vorinway sees all the things that he's wearing, Look and at he's, that. like, <laughs> amazed, because he's like, oh, this was prophesied, and he agrees to take Tour to Gondolin with him. What raid did you, what level raid did you do to get that? That's, that's, tells a story. It's like, well, this must be a friend. This must be a friend. I just found it, dusted it off, put it on. So they come to Gondolin and come up to the gate and, you know, the guard capture them and kind of take them as prisoners. Oh, you skipped one little thing that I thought was, like, super weird and messed, it messed with my head for a little while. They see Turin on, on the oh, road. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it was, like, a brief moment of, like, what? I was like, what year is it? I don't know. Well, and yeah. I remembered, oh, okay, this is, like, all before yeah, this the fall is, of Doriath and stuff. Yeah, this is all giving you sort of a timeline it to was go a with weird, it. Yeah. Moment. Well, they saw Turin, but they but they didn't know. It was kind of a, a nice little thing. It's like, Tolkien it was doing like, the thing yeah. that Tolkien does, which yeah. is like, hey, guess what? This doesn't take place when you think it does. Like, hey, they see this guy shrouded in black carrying a black sword. Who do you think that is, reader? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they they come up to, um, to the king. And uh, Tour, I, I like the description of when Tour finally lays eyes on a Gondolin because, again, the city is so breathtakingly beautiful. It's like something different every time. Yeah. So he says, um, Then Tour looked down upon the fair vale of Timladen, set as a green jewel amid the encircling hills, and he saw far off upon the rocky height of Angwareth, Gondolin the Great, City of seven names, whose fame and glory is mightiest in a song of all dwellings of the elves in the hitherlands. At the bidding of Ichthalion, trumpets were blown on the towers of the great gate, and they echoed in the hills. And far off but clear there came a, a sound of answering trumpets blown down upon the white walls of the city, flushed with the rose of dawn upon the plain. Well, this is Middle Earth, so something that pretty is not going to last very long. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, Gondolin has seven gates. Yep. First gate is of wood, and then they get stronger and stronger as you go in. 
which if you recall, there's a city of man that also has seven gates. <laughs> and said seven gates get stronger and stronger as you go in. Oh, I know this one. I know this one. Narlands. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Minas Tirith. Yeah. <laughs> knew I knew that from one of those. Minas Tirith of, of Gondor, not Minas yeah. Tirith of Valerion. Yeah, we haven't gotten to Minas Tirith yeah. of Gondor yet. But we will. in like September. Yeah. So they, they're taken to the king now, and Tour is like seeing all the beauty of Gondolin and, you know, the sort of replicas of the trees of Valinor and... And, uh, Which we also have at Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. The, the White, White Tree, Tree of Gondor. The White Tree of Gondor. Mm-hmm. And Tor's like pleading whatever, yeah. almost said Turgon. Turgon's like, whatever. So, I don't care. So Maeglin's there, and Idril is there. And we're going to hear increasingly more of them now. And they're seated at, at, at Turgon's sides. Yeah. So Tor... Is speaking, but people are kind of in awe because he doesn't sound like a man. He sound he he's oh. like the Ulmo is basically speaking through him right now. Yeah. So like they're hearing the voice of the Lord of Water. <laughs> I also uh, it's like, a brief aside. I like the way that they described Maglin as his as Turgon's sister, sister son. son. Yep. That yeah that popped up and I was like <laughs> what what is, okay, I, I'm, mm, what all right let's mm. that's, that's Tolkien for nephew. Okay all right. It took me a while. I was like, I'm... And, and, and Tolkien for an nepotism is actually sister slunism. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically, Turgon is kind of reminded of these warnings that Ulmo had given him. Um, and Ulmo had said, when they were at Vinyamar, he had said, Love not too well the work of thy hands and the devices of thy heart. And remember that the true hope of the Noldor lieth in the west and cometh from the sea. Um, and there on the opposite side, uh, wait, sorry, that's the ride of Paul Revere. <laughs> <laughs> but so, because basically, you know, Tour is kind of pleading with Turgon, you, you need to leave, you need to get out of here now. Get going. Um, but Turgon just loves the city too much. <laughs> We're safe here. No one's been able to find this place except that one dude who, you know, yeah. came in on eagles <laughs> and the... Other people who kind of found it randomly, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. We're yeah. we're cool. We're, we're cool, guys. We're Everyone's okay. cool. We can still stand. But so you know, he he's he's got like so. Tour is advising him to leave now, and you know, Ulmo he remembered had had told him before, like you know, don't become too attached to this place. Remember that you need to like the the only way you're going to be safe is to go to the west. But Turgon is too prideful. And uh, he decides they're going to shut Gondolin down. And no one's one's going to leave, neither for war nor for peace. Uh, We're going to stay here and we'll be fine. It's a great idea. Just bottleneck yourselves in. Yep. Um, Tor stuck around because, you know, death wishes and all. And falls in love with Edril and they... Because, you know, death wishes and all. Yeah. So Tor and Edril become an item... Yeah, and and Maglin is jealous, even though Edril hates Maglin. Yeah, that Maglin was had is has in his heart that he's going to like possess her, because yeah. Is he what is he Ben Gibbard? <laughs> um. However, Turgon really likes Tour, um, and agrees even to to 
to allow him to marry his daughter. Even mm-hmm. though every time you open your mouth, Uma will step like. <laughs> and so, <laughs> consequently, Maglin hates Tor. Yeah. Um, so even though the, everything is sealed off and nobody can enter or leave, there are hunting parties that enter and leave. Actually, leave and enter. That does happen. I mean, I guess they need food. Yeah. That's and true. so Maglin is on one. Yeah, Maglin kind of likes to run off. Skirt uh, dirty. By, by himself for a while. But so meanwhile, um, so Tor and Idril married, and they have a son. That was fast. Um, named uh, Arendil Half-Elven. So, um... I like how his name is basically Mudblood. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of, again, like, just enchantingly beautiful. Um, and, yeah, so the... Arendil is described um, as having there was a light was in his face as the light of heaven and he had the beauty and the wisdom of the Eldar and the strength and hardihood of the men of old and the sea spoke ever in his ear and heart even as with Tor his father. He's got a big beard and laser shooting out of his face. Mm, Don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, everything's kind of happy and okay in Gondolin right now. But on the outside, remember uh, when Hurin wanted to come to Gondolin and was just kind of yelling into the void? <laughs> hey, 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 Eagles! Yeah, you the, guys come down whenever. And well, Morgoth is like, oh, Morgoth was listening. That's where I should look. Yeah. So Morgoth still couldn't send his orcs there because, again, the eagles were there. But Idril was sort of really wise and had this sort of gift of foreshadow or foresight, rather. And she had a bad feeling, so she decides to build a passage um, leading out of Gondolin. And um, she does not tell Maeglin. Doesn't tell Maeglin, yeah. Only a few people know about it, and she makes sure not to tell Maeglin. Around this point is when Maeglin gets trapped by yes. orcs yeah. anyway. So, so Maeglin so. is off on this hunting party, uh, and he gets captured, basically. And Morgoth basically tortures him for information. Yep. And Maeglin's like, okay, I will tell you... The location of the hidden city and how best to breach it. Oh, and Morgoth's like, oh, that was easy. Yeah, and Morgoth's <laughs> so like, that earlier. okay, I will make you its its new lord then. And Maglin's like, Sweet. And I'll give you Idril. Oh, yes, yes. And so Morgoth then lets him go, tells him to rejoin the city uh, so it will not seem suspicious, and wait, basically. And there's another really great uh, passage there with how things go down after that. So Maglin comes back... Um, and he abode in the halls of the king with smiling face and evil in his heart while the darkness gathered ever deeper upon Idril. He's like a smiling just, fool while everyone else is just so, like, why is that guy so happy? So you remember a couple of a couple of chapters ago how I had this like false remembrance that Maglin turned? I think I was just remembering. You were this remembering section. further along, yes. yeah. It hadn't transpired yet. So then some it comes to a time and it's like several years later. The kid is seven. That, yeah. The kid is yeah. like seven years yeah. old. That that Morgoth then comes to attack. So everybody, it's like this festival, and everybody's like out of the city, and they're oh, that was cool. Yeah. That was actually really. They're cool all scene. on the walls of the city because it's like they're going to sort of welcome the sunrise and have this great. It's, it's very festival. It's very like neo druidic hippie ish of them. Oh, totally. And, and it's like the yeah. it's, it's like the first sun of the summer, but instead yeah. of instead of this light coming from the east, it comes from the north as an army of Balrogs marches over. Like, like yeah. a Balrog comes like, hey, I brought my dragon buddies. Yeah. So yeah, there's Balrogs and orcs and wolves and dragons, 
And of course, this intense battle follows, and there are many heroic deeds during uh, the battle. And you know, Tour takes up arms and fights heroically, and Turgon and Gothmog, the Balrog, the, like the king of all the Balrogs, are, Gothmog, are, are Gothmog. battling, um, and both of them die. Um, and so now, oh, Tour, yes. Gothmog and Glorfindel, Gothmog and Tur- and, and Turgon. Turgon. Oh, right, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who does Glorfindel? Glorfindel fights another Balrog. Okay. It's sorry. not it's not Gothmog though. Um so yeah, Tord wants to rescue Edril. Um, but so who is sort of holding her captive but Maeglin? Maeglin has sort of taken Edril and Arendelle prisoner. And so now there's this fight between Tour and Maeglin, and nice. Tour like throws him off the wall. Into, like, the fires below. Yeah. Like, and it's, like, it's pretty grisly. Yeah, we see, like, Maeglin's body, like, crashes on rocks on its way down and, yeah, falls into the fire. Um, so now Tour and Idril are leading as many people as they can to this secret passage. And Morgoth didn't know anything about that secret passage because Maeglin didn't know, so yeah. everything's cool. And there's kind this. There's, well, everyone's burning. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're not. The, actually, the burning is helping them too because it's sort of concealing. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know their way that they're going. Um. So yeah, now they come to this really treacherous pass over the mountains, the Pass of Kirith Toranath, um, which is the Eagle's Cleft, and they're attacked by some orcs. And, and that's when Yeah, so the Eagle King comes and helps them. And Glorfindel, who's one of the great captains of Gondolin, um, comes and, and, and fights this Balrog. And they both fall and die, and yeah. more eagles show up conveniently and kill everything. Yeah. That was one of those times well, where it was like they, they were like actually fighting, which we haven't actually really that's my knowledge. We've yeah. not seen No, yet. we haven't seen the eagles fight anything yet. But this is they, the first time. Yeah, so they fight the orcs and kill them all. So, you know, thankfully nothing can get back to Morgoth about this. Um, and so Tor and Idril manage to escape. And they bring, you know, the rest of the people of Gondolin uh, down to, um, by the river Sirion. And... Um, they eventually meet back up with Elwing, who was Dior's daughter. Oh, yeah. And she's got something on her. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. She sure does. So, at this time, Morgoth thinks that he's one, and he doesn't know anything about, um, you know, all of these elves that are kind of converging down by the river Sirion. So, um, focused on the fact that he's got Gondolin burning. Yeah. So... Umo now goes to Valinor, and he pleads with the Valar about the elves. He's like, hey, guys, they really need our help, um, and we should forgive them and help them to win back the Silmarils, because, again, that's the last remnant of the Light of the Trees, is the Silmarils, um, and we need to help them defeat Morgoth. But Manwe just doesn't respond. Yeah, whatever. He says nothing. Um... But then we have this little passage here uh, that's kind of interesting. So, 
The wise have said that the hour was not yet come, and that only one speaking in person for the cause of both elves and men, pleading for pardon on their misdeeds and pity on their woes, might move the councils of the powers. And the oath of Feanor, perhaps even Manwe, could not loose, until it found its end and the sons of Feanor relinquished the Silmarils, upon which they had laid their ruthless claim. For the light which lit the Silmarils, the Valar themselves had made. So we have this kind of idea of the exact parameters that need to be set for the Valar to come and help. And their course kind of dumb. <laughs> because that makes sense for the Valar to be like, well, we got to have these certain prerequisites before we can do anything. Sorry, that's how it is. Come back on Thursday. Remember to get a number <laughs> and wait in line at the other elves. Come back on Thursday with all your materials pr- present and <laughs> maybe we can help. Um gotta be ready to fight a war already come on let's go so yeah so now so we need uh these exact moments to transpire for the valor to finally decide to but help. i mean they they but the people the people left around tore like kind of like longs for the sea yes and they build like boats, and they just start heading off into the sea. Yep. Good so, so yeah. So, Tour finally, he's he's you know getting pretty old, and decides uh, he he just wants to go. So yeah, they build they build this ship, and they go into the west, and they're never heard from again. And then, so this is also really something. So, in after days, it was sung that Tour alone of mortal men was numbered among the elder race and was joined with the Noldor whom he loved and his fate is sundered from the fate of men. So that is kind of um, remarkable because again, the fate of men is that once they die, they leave this world. Yep. They're done. Um, but he, you know, Tour has now kind of joined the ranks of the Noldor. Um, he's almost become like elf by right of all the deeds that he's done. So that ends that bleak thing. Yeah. So it's the kind fall of, like, of Doriath, then the fall of Gondolin. Right. Nothing. There's no safe spots in Middle Earth anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, Sirion for the present. Yeah, Sirion is kind of this last bastion of hope for, uh, you know, this sort of meager amalgamation of the rest of 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 the elves. Um, everyone kind of grouping together and uh, returning to their sort of roots of old of being sea people. So, um, on the note of Glorfindel, who died next to a Balrog, or while fighting a Balrog, but also killed the Balrog, they fell off of a cliff and landed far below. Boy, that sounds familiar. And then (laughs) an eagle, uh, Throndor, rescued the body of Glorfindel, brought him back up, and buried him. Yeah. Well, if you recall... Midway through the beginning of The Fellowship of the Ring, because it's a book that's long enough we can say midway through the beginning, <laughs> uh, Frodo is wounded by one of the wraiths and is rescued by an elf. Now, if you're going on the movies, you would think the elf was Arwen. Nope. It is actually Glorfindel. So, how can Glorfindel have come back if he is dead? Well, apparently, according to what I just did some scant research on... Um, Tolkien just forgot that he had already used the name. Yep. <laughs> and he used it again. Yep. And somebody brought this to it as, to uh, to his notice. Yep. And he's like, well, dang. Since all elves have unique names, I can't just say this is a different one. <laughs> so uh, according to um, this highly highly scholarly article on 
wikipedia.org. <laughs> um, what does it say here? Well, this uh, is, yeah. Eh, sorry, I scrolled past that. Uh, Tolkien wrote that Glorfindel is sent back to Middle-earth by the Valar during the Second Age, circa 1600, where Burador was completed and Sauron forged the One Ring, and while Numenor was still friendly with the elves under Tar Menestir. He is sent as a kind of predecessor to the Astari, or in a different version, together with the Blue Wizards. At one point, he was even considered as a possibility for the identity of one of them, though this was immediately rejected since the Eldar were not initially conceived as possibilities for the Wizards, and he had come to the conclusion that they were exclusively Maiar. Conceivably, the problem of Glorfindel's re- resurrection could have been easily resolved by changing the name of Glorfindel of Gondolin to another name, but Tolkien was unwilling to do this as he now associated the name with the character. Yep. So keep in mind, this is before the Silmarillion had actually been published. Yep. So he he could have just changed Glorfindel's name. But he didn't his, want to. Exactly. Was, yeah, so, because he, he liked it. So he becomes resurrected at one point. Um, well, and that's... It's also of worthy, or it's, it's, a, it's of worth to note that the the fall of Gondolin was in itself a book, um, and it was actually the first big tale that he wrote out of everything. Yeah, he started. He wrote it in 1916. So yeah, and remember that you know there are there are a couple of things. This is probably one of the largest things um, being uh, like timelines having difficulty being reconciled between the Silmarillion and the Lord of the Rings because again the Silmarillion did not precede everything in. Um, in chronology, um, but he was writing know, there, all there of the were, place. yeah, the, and there were very early writings of it dating back to like 1916. But um, but he's still writing it all over the place. Yes, yeah. so you and know, it's, I mean, it was compiled after his death. And and again, yeah, that's why he himself had never published it because he was never happy with it. And um, so yeah, there there are little there are inconsistencies between um, you know things that we read in the Silmarillion and then what we see later, but. Uh, you know, the Valar can do whatever they want. So, yep. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we, nice. we got one more chapter left of the Quintessal Merlion, mm-hmm. and then we've got the Callbath of the Rings of of the Rings of Power in the Third of the Third Age of the Rings of Power. Yep. Yeah, I just looked at the yeah. name for the next chapter, and crap. Yeah, next chapter is going to be... Of the fall of everything. It just says yeah. the ra- the War of Wrath. Yeah, the War of Wrath. It was, you know, we've, we've been building up to this for quite a while. And, um, yeah. It also says of the Voyage of Arendelle. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but that didn't seem as, like, you know, as epic as War of Wrath. Yeah. Uh, but what was, what was everyone's favorite uh, part of today's reading for me it was and I, I mean i brought this up previously the connections between uh the ring cycle and lord of the rings um so after the all the the problems with the gold and everything at one point it is mentioned that they just leave the rest of the gold in, the, in a river and it becomes like the river of gold or something yeah, oh, the yeah, gold, yeah, yeah. Red, mm-hmm. gold bed rivers that's that. basically um the oh i'm blanking here is it the danube that runs through Dang it. The river, the German river, hold on. What river flows through the city of Cologne? Sorry, we can't find the okay. bread of Cologne. <laughs> the Rhine. Right. The Rhine. Oh, right, because the first opera is called Rhine Gold. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's basically the same as the 
Gold and the Rhine, the Rhine Gold. Rhine yeah. Gold. Rhine. <laughs> okay, I'll spare you my soprano. Um, so there's, I mean, I've, I found that to be a thematic connection, but at the same time, there's also a mention of, of um, washing. I don't remember who did it, but somebody washes their the blood off of their hands in the river, well, and, and the river, was, like, flows with blood. He, he was washing the blood off of the necklace, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then, yeah. Well, there's this there's this moment in, I, I think it's Siegfried. I don't remember. I saw I saw the ring cycle in a week, so it all just kind of blends together. There's this moment in, like I said, I think it's Siegfried, where one of the characters... Uh, killed somebody in wrath or something and washes his hand and the entire river fills with blood. So I just saw these two kind of very, very strong, at least to me, uh, thematic visual links to uh, Wagner's Ring Cycle. Mm-hmm. For me, I just liked all that stuff with the Silmarillion. Or, this is the book, Silmarillion. The Silmarillion <laughs> messed with everyone's head. Yep. With the uh, dwarves having to like cast or put the Silmarillion into the necklace that was very interesting just because it's like, once again, shiny things doing horrifying things yeah. to people. Um, and the fact that the dwarves also were fell to it, but it seems like the dwarves fall with that stuff. Do they fall to it easier than other races or, or like... I mean, well, dwarves are naturally a little greedier. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that the dwarves were like so, so keen for it since they never actually saw the light of the trees. Yeah, that, well, well, I think we we'll could say that's why probably they weren't taken so much by the Silmaril as they were by uh, the necklace. But they, yeah, I think they, I think they had decided, hey, the Silmaril is a great treasure, so we'd like it too. Um, so it was kind of a ploy to get the necklace back as well. Um, but hey, if they also gain some other great treasure out of it, then you know that's yeah. pretty good for them too. Um, what about you? Yeah, so, I don't know, there are a couple of images, like, I, they were, like I said, so there were a lot of passages in the readings today, like, I mean, Tolkien always has a, just, a, he's can really turn a phrase, and I, I adore That's that. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. Um, and there are several in this passage, but I, I always am struck by images of, like, a storm kindling someone to rage. So, yeah. and it's, what's, uh, what's that, um... Light motif, I guess. I think I don't know. Um, yeah. And so I mean, there's once again going back to Wagner, <laughs> right? Who invented the musical concept of the light motif? Of the light motif. Yeah. Sorry, you think I was like a Nazi with how obsessed I am with that? <laughs> <laughs> but but so there's you know that 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 moment with um, Huron after Morwen dies and he's you know grieving and then there's this great storm and the like that we have this image of like the sharp rain hitting him in the face and then the storm kind of b- brings about his own rage to kindle into this great flame within him that draws that guides him to you know go and ransack things um yeah and then you know furthermore we see uh i i also really liked the whole thing that went down with Turgon and becoming prideful of his, you know, works and his land, which he had been warned against, but alas, we're all um, weak, become weak by these beautiful things that we've created and, and uh, like, you know, controlled by them. And They've never been attacked. We lose so our reason. Sense. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's just... I, we we learn a lot of things <laughs> uh, by what transpires in these stories, and I think the way that it's told is really perfect. 
All is maybe kind of lost. Yeah. That was the original title for that uh, Robert Redford movie. Yeah. <laughs> All is maybe kind of lost. He finds a lifeboat. So, yeah, I, I think we can probably agree it's not going to get any happier from here. But um, We don't have a whole lot left. We're going to continue. But does it get sadder? We will see. Next time on the English class. So, yeah, we'll be back next week. And so, all right, uh, that, <laughs> yes, me talking without having a thing to say. What I was trying to say is uh, thank you for listening. This has been Talking Tolkien. You can find us on iTunes at the English Class, colon, Talking Tolkien. You can find us on Stitcher at the English Class, colon, Talking Tolkien. You can find us on the internet at TalkingTolkien.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Talking Tolkien, like Facebook.com slash Talking Tolkien. You can find us on Twitter at, at Talking Tolkien. Uh, and I'm John. Is your tongue tied in a knot now? <laughs> How much talk could a Tolkien talk talk if a Tolkien cob? Yes, it is. Uh, I'm Chase, and I think I'm finally at this point where I can say I'm not confused anymore about this. St- well, I, time shall tell. I'm not at. It's not as confusing. I'm Katie, and we'll see. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. Now, John previously just said everywhere you can find more stuff from us. Just go check out TalkingTolkien.com. That's where all the episodes are at. Check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. So, thank you very much for listening. Remember this week to toast to the professor. <laughs>